0: Hello, Hooray for Monday listeners, this is Jenna. And this week, we want to share a glimpse into what happens in our Real World History program, which is run by our colleague, Cosby Hunt. After our brief conversation, we'll share a little more from the lecture he describes, as well as links to more about anti-bias education, which was the subject of that lecture.
1: My name is Cosby Hunt. I am the director of youth programs for Inspired Teaching, and I, in my day life, I am a full-time teacher at Theodore Roosevelt High School in the Petworth neighborhood of D.C. I teach 11th grade U.S. History.
0: And last night, we uh, had the opportunity to see a special real-world history class that took place in um, in a special setting. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that class?
1: Uh, sure. We were at the Woodrow Wilson House last night, and my first friend from college, Dr. Khalil Mohammed, was speaking. Uh, his remarks were entitled, The Truth About the Anti-Woke Movement and the Fight for the Freedom to Learn. So it just seemed like a, a natural fit to, you know, in the real world, sometimes we go to listen to intellectuals speak about things of importance. So in in real world history class, and he's a historian. So it's like, it's everything that the class is about. One of the students, Nakia Wimbish, uh, who was also a senior at Roosevelt, was my co moderator. So she she helped to introduce Dr. Muhammad.
0: His talk was was powerful and wide ranging and set a really um, incredible historical context for our present moment. But I was really struck by the fact that the students um, from real world history got up and asked questions at the end Um, and I was wondering as their teacher, you know, what did you observe? How did that land for you watching them be present for that talk and then ask those questions at the end?
1: So our usual class schedule is on Tuesday and Thursday nights. So in class the night before, we spent about 25 minutes per- thinking about and preparing for his remarks. Really, all we had to go on was the title of his remarks. So we unpacked the word woke, and then we tried to think about why anyone would wa- would be anti-woke. and a couple of them were familiar with Ron DeSantis. So we sort of went down that road and um, what's happening in Florida. And Nakia herself is in AP African-American studies, which is one reason I wanted her to moderate with me. So so the short answer to your question is that we, we spent some time prepping. So they, they came to the talk each with a question that they wanted to ask him. Uh, what I am curious about is did that question change when they actually heard his remarks. And I, I know for Nakaya, it did. Her question for him after the many um, glad handers left, she she finally got a quiet moment with him and asked him a question about how he had the courage to speak the way he speaks.
0: And one of the things that struck me um, in his remarks was how frequently he talked about the importance of speaking truth and how that's something that, um, needs to happen in education spaces. And it made me think about not only the program Speak Truth that you started, that, that we, another youth program that we run, but also the work that you're doing in real world history. And I, I was wondering what it felt like to be an educator, listening to him issue that call to action.
1: Well, Dr. Muhammad did a good job of telling us up front that this was going to be a, a rough ride. Like that. his remarks were not going to make us feel hopeful in the Obama way. And I think I appreciated that warning, if you want to call it that. And then at at the same time, there was hopefulness at the end, because as always happens, you know, when young people are involved in the discussion, adults are usually, okay, I said always and usually, adults are, are usually encouraging of them. And so there was, you know, it was clear that this was a space where young people's voices were important. We saved the very last question for, it was not the only question, but we saved the very last question for the young people. And he made it clear that if there's any hope in what is a bleak situation, that it rests with them. Maybe one of them will consider being a historian now. Nakaya now, I think, has a better sense of why she's going to be interning at the Woodrow Wilson House, which she will be in the spring, that none of them had ever been to the Woodrow Wilson House. They probably very rarely have gone to an intellectual discussion surrounded by adults and participated in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So all those things happened, and and so it's going to land powerfully with at least one of them. And that's, and that's all we can ask for. That's kind of why I show up to work.
0: One of the things that really struck me one of the students was asking a question in the end was when um, Khalil responded very earnest, like honestly to to her question and said, "I know that this that all of this may be hard to hear, but I trust you to be able to take this information um, and and use it to make good decisions." And I that really struck me because that's something that I, Feel from the way that you teach your students, there is a trust, there is an expectation that young people can handle the truth, can handle these kinds of discussions. And that was powerfully present in the discussion yesterday.
1: I think trust is a word that we should probably use intentionally with our young people more. Obviously, it's better when we demonstrate the trust rather than just use the word, but nevertheless, Hearing Khalil use the word last night reminded me that, hey, there's a powerful word in the same way that we use love. We should, you know, we should use love more. And I agree with you that that was a good reminder of of um, an important word and concept that we need to emphasize.
0: So now, listeners, I'm going to share a little more about that moment from the lecture when Dr. Muhammad talked about trust And I recommend you check out this article I mentioned from Learning for Justice magazine. It offers lots of background information and makes a strong case for trusting our students with the truth in our classrooms. At the end of Dr. Khalil Muhammad's lecture on the truth about the anti-woke movement and the fight for the freedom to learn, a high school student from Inspired Teachings Real World History class asked if she and her peers needed to worry about their future, if the anti-woke movement which is behind a massive wave of censorship and backlash against the teaching of history right now, ultimately wins. Dr. Muhammad's answer was a yes, and he apologized for the harshness of that reality, but called on her and her classmates to respond with action. We have produced a nation where nobody speaks the truth, he said. We lean too much on hope, But I trust you enough to know that if you learn good information, you're going to make wise decisions. I believe you're better served knowing this so you can do better. This call to action is echoed in an article Dr. Muhammad wrote along with Erica Licht for the fall issue of the Learning for Justice magazine on a call for anti-bias education. The article notes, an honest education is the minimum we should strive for as educators. One that is rigorous, too, and demands the historical truth-telling of Black history, Indigenous history, and the history of Asian Americans, Latinx Americans, Middle Eastern Americans, and other marginalized groups. An honest education centers these histories and makes them integral to the core concepts of learning. At best, this education becomes a foundational component of critical thinking, not only teaching these histories, but also asking students to consider and understand ideas such as, what does this mean for me and for my friends? What is my responsibility for ensuring I do no harm, consider the well-being of others, and promote equity and democratic values? Dr. Muhammad was emphatic that education is how we get to a better future. He called out the bravery it takes right now for teachers to stand in defense of the truth, but he also framed this as a choice and an opportunity. Just as we ask our children to consider the role they'll play as citizens in the world, it's worth asking ourselves that last question. What is my responsibility for ensuring I do no harm? Consider the well-being of others and promote equity and democratic values. Links to the resources can be found in our show notes. Resources for learning more about anti-bias education. A call for anti-bias education. To develop the next generation of civic leaders, this article from Learning for Justice magazine recommends that we educate children early and in age-appropriate ways about their identities and key concepts about race. Understanding anti-bias education, bringing the four core goals to every facet of your curriculum. Grounded in what we know about how children construct identity and attitudes, these goals from the National Association for the Education of Young Children will help you create a safe, supportive learning community for every child. Five anti-bias education strategies for early childhood classrooms. Here are a few strategies and resources from PBS that can help you begin anti-bias education or go deeper into it by incorporating messages of affirmation, fairness, and empowerment into all aspects of learning. Youth programs. If this real-world history experience sounds fascinating to you and you know a high school student in Washington, DC, let them know that a brand new real-world history course will begin in February. This course is free and open to all high school students in the district. A link to the website with more information is in our show notes, and this is a learning experience every student in D.C. should have. Dr. Muhammad talked a lot about speaking truth, and that's precisely what students do in our Speak Truth program. We have student facilitators on deck for two sessions in December. Ashari Bolding will be leading an in-person discussion titled The Struggles in Black Communities, which will explore the topic through the lens of gentrification on Wednesday, December 13th at MLK Library in Washington, D.C. from 5 to 8 p.m. Raynal Faulkner will lead an online discussion about the good and bad of social media on Monday, December 18th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Learn more on our website. Professional learning. Join us for the last workshops of 2023 and have some fun. Our December institutes are all about prioritizing instructional fun. And how can fun enhance the learning experience? Gain practice with several improv-based activities that fuel play and laughter. Identify the connection between fun and effective instruction. And develop strategies for infusing fun into your curriculum. And as an add bonus, all attendees will receive a prioritizing instructional fun care package in the mail after the event. Don't miss it. Sessions take place on Wednesday, December 6th at 7 p.m. and Tuesday, December 12th at 7 p.m. Both times are Eastern and they both take place online. You can find links to register on our website. Hooray for Monday is an award-winning weekly publication of Center for Inspired Teaching, an independent nonprofit organization that invests in and supports teachers. Inspired Teaching provides transformative, improvisation-based professional learning for teachers that is 100% engaging intellectually, emotionally, and physically. Our mission is to create radical change in the school experience, away from compliance, and toward authentic engagement. Thanks very much for listening, and have a great week.